invite you this morning to take your Bible and make your way to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we are uh, continuing uh, into our exposition of this great book, and uh, we've been in this book for a few months now, and uh, so we're going to pick up where we left off, and uh, that would be in verse 15. So we're going to come to verse 15 through verse 17 of Ephesians chapter number 5, and I've thoroughly enjoyed this chapter as it is brought out a lot of application for us to us in our Christian life. And uh, the title of the message this morning is Walking in Wisdom. Walking in Wisdom. And uh, we're going to see how important wisdom is in the realm of the Christian life as well as how it ties into walking in the light as Paul's been instructing uh, the Ephesians to do. So let's, let's read our text here this morning, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15 down through verse number 17. Notice that Paul tells them, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, we think about walking in wisdom. How many of us are wise in how we walk? Most of us will likely think that we are wise in pretty much every aspect. We want to think that way, don't we? We would like to think that we're wise in everything we do and say and how we live, but the truth is there's always areas and room for improvement in our Christian life. None of us ever get to a point where we're done growing or we've got it all figured out or we're making perfect decisions. Uh, As we live our Christian life, we are growing and developing. We're learning more and more of what this Christian life is about, especially as we study the Scriptures, what it looks like. We begin to see aspects of our lives that really aren't as Christian as they ought to be as we look at the Scriptures and evaluate our lives in light of those things. And so the Christian life is a life of development. And part of development is in anything is gaining wisdom and living by that wisdom. Now, wisdom in this passage is directly tied to what Paul has all been talking about through this chapter, of walking in the light, not walking in darkness. He warned them against walking in darkness. He calls them to a life of walking in the light, and the reason he does that is because in Christ, they are light. And Christian, in Christ, you are light. That's what you've become by conversion. Well, in a very similar manner, the same is true for wisdom. We have become wisdom in Christ. We have wisdom in Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.30 tells us this, Because of Him, of Christ, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now, how many of us know this, that Christ is wisdom to us? Scriptures teach us that. Christ is wisdom to us. Christians are made wise, in a sense, by their conversion, but... They are also to live in wisdom by their conduct. In a very similar matter, we have been made righteous in Christ, haven't we? But we are also to live in our conduct in a righteous way. We're to grow in living that out. And so living in wisdom requires growing in wisdom. And just as the Christian is made righteous, we we grow in righteous. And so Christians possess a measure of wisdom simply because they are born again. They have been brought to know Christ. They see things differently than the world around them does. But here's the reality we have to understand. 
is that just because you're in Christ does not mean that you're wise in everything you do. You must grow in wisdom. This is the truth. A Christian can live and act like a fool if they are not intentionally paying attention to their conduct, growing in grace, growing in their Christian life. And this is why Paul gives us this text. You see, wisdom is connected to walking in the light and being an imitator of God. So, well, how's wisdom connected to this? Well, if we're going to walk in the light, we're, su- we're supposed to, according to verse 10, discern what is pleasing to the Lord, right? Wisdom and discernment go hand in hand. Wisdom and discernment go hand in hand. But understand this too, that wisdom is not only knowing what is right, it is also properly applying what is right. Now, you may have all the right knowledge, but not living it out. Wisdom takes it and lives it out the way you're supposed to live it out. And so I want to point out a couple things from this, this short passage that I think is, is worth digging into a little bit. Uh, and I've, I've broke this down into two headings for us in our notes. I want you to see firstly that Christians are expected to walk wisely. If anybody's going to be walking wisely in this world, it should be the believer. It should be the Christian. It should be the one who knows Jesus, who is wisdom himself. He is wisdom, and we have him. But notice what, with this walking wisely, what this does for us, what we can see from it. Notice with me, firstly, that wisdom enables us to walk cautiously. Wisdom enables us to walk cautiously in this world. Now, I think we know this, that the Christian life, is a life of caution. It is a life of caution. You say, why is that? Because the Christian lives in a world where darkness permeates many areas of life, many avenues, and can easily influence the Christian if they're not paying attention, if they're not living consciously and on guard against that which is darkness. Now, let me point out to you what Paul is saying. Paul says in verse 15, look carefully then how you walk. Let's just break this down for a moment. Look carefully, then how you walk. Now, notice the intentional instruction there of looking carefully. Looking carefully points us to what? Caution. Caution. Looking carefully points us to caution. You see, when we think of looking here, we're talking about seeing with the right perception, looking with the right lens. The the word look here means to process information by giving thought. By giving thought. Process things by giving thought. Now, here's, here's here's what we find in our world. How often do people do things without giving any thought about what they're actually doing or what the consequences might be. Don't we live in a world that that's just kind of, the that's a norm? Well, I'm just going to do this, but they don't think through what they're actually doing and what the result of will be because of what they are doing. You see, wisdom thinks things through. Wisdom does not just impulsively jump into whatever you feel like doing. Wisdom evaluates Wisdom looks at it. It looks at it in a careful manner. And so this is about evaluating what is in front of you, what is around you that might affect your Christian life and your walk with God. Now notice that Paul says to look carefully. Carefully. 
carefully emphasizes the caution of our looking, of our perception. The word uh, pertains to strict conformity to a standard or norm with focus on careful attention. And so what you learn from this is that this looking we're doing, it is to be through the lens of what is pleasing and honoring to God. What is pleasing and honoring to God? We look and evaluate things in our life through the lens of the Scriptures. Not through the lens of the culture, but through the lens of the Scriptures alone. Now, this word can be translated circumspectly. The King James will translate it that way, and and that kind of conveys the idea of giving attention to your surrounding circumstances, what's around you and what's going on. Uh, Because as you're walking along this, this, this road in your Christian life, Alertness is key. Not one of us are above falling by the wayside. None of us are. None of us are above falling into a temptation. None of us are above falling into our own flesh or falling into a trap of the world. You know, we've been studying the pilgrim's progress and the idea of walking carefully and accurately in God's way is really the central theme there of John Bunyan's pilgrim's progress. You follow a Christian on this journey, and uh, he's got all sorts of things that come at him, right? All these people with different names that really point us to things that we experience in our own world. But early on in the book, what do we find happens with Christian? He, we find with Christian and, and uh, his, his friend who began the journey with him, John Bunyan writes, Now I saw in my dream that just as they had ended this talk, they drew near to a very miry slough, that was in the midst of the plain, that being, and they being heedless. That's what stucks out to me. They being heedless did both fall into the bog. The, this, this, this swamp of despond, if you would. Now, why did they fall into it? They weren't paying attention to where they were walking. They weren't looking at where they were walking. And so the same is true of the Christian life. Now, what does one need in order to look carefully in their Christian life? They need wisdom. You need wisdom to look carefully. You need wisdom to look carefully. Wisdom enables us to see the dangers of darkness. Wisdom enables us to see the negative influences that might affect us. Wisdom helps us to see maybe even some of our own behaviors that are contrary to Christian behaviors. Now, okay, we need wisdom, right? Where do we get wisdom? How do we grow in wisdom? Well, I think it's important that we all understand this. We already know this tonight, this morning, but that wisdom flows from the God who is all wise. If you want true wisdom, it flows from him. That is why I said that Christ is wisdom to us. He is wisdom to us. But Proverbs 9.10 tells us this plainly. The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. What does that tell you? The rest of the world around us that rejects God because they hate God, they're missing out on the true wisdom that only comes from God. Now, the world likes to think themselves to be wise, right? But true wisdom is where? It's in Christ. It's in God. And a fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. And so as a born-again Christian, understand this, child of God, you're directly connected to the God of wisdom. You're directly connected to him. Now, here's a couple practical ways in which I think we can grow in our wisdom. Number one is this. you got to pray for wisdom. 
Christian, that'll be a prayer you pray every day. Lord, give me wisdom for this day. Help me to have wisdom for this day. Pray for wisdom with specific things that you're going to face and that you're going through in your life. James says to his Christian audience in James 1, 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him do what? Let him ask of God. Let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Christian, God loves to give his people wisdom because he wants his people to walk in wisdom. Uh, You have not because you ask not. So if you want to grow in wisdom for your Christian life, pray over that. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom. I can't tell you how many times that's in my prayers all the time. Lord, give me wisdom for this. Give me wisdom for this. And it's true of you in your Christian life. You need it. But a second way. If you want wisdom, read the scriptures for wisdom. Many people lack wisdom just because they don't read their Bible. Your Bible is a gold mine of wisdom. It's a gold mine of wisdom. You, you go read through Proverbs, especially in a lot of the Psalms. You read the book of James. You read through the scriptures. There's a wealth of wisdom beyond what you can even fully tap into at one moment. It's full of wisdom. Jeremiah said to his Christian audience, or excuse me, to the, book, the people of Israel in his day, Jeremiah 8, 9, he said, The wise men shall be put to shame. They shall be dismayed and taken. Behold... They have rejected the word of the Lord, so what wisdom is in them? You know what he's implying there? They're rejecting the word of God, so how can they have wisdom? So that, that is so true for us today. The word of God is wisdom for us. But here's a third application in regard to how we grow and gain in wisdom. Learn from your own failures. Learn from your own failures. The Christian is not perfect and will have moments when you are going to get let your guard down. You will sin and you're going to fail at times. But what does wisdom do? Wisdom learns from those failures. Wisdom learns from those sins and learns what, how, how you fell into that and how you need to avoid that and what the consequences are of that. To give you a proverb, Proverbs 26, 11. Listen to this. This is really vivid, all right? Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Isn't that some beautiful, yummy imagery? I mean, you ever seen a dog do that? I have on countless times. They'll eat something bad for them, throw it up, and then go back to that throw up and try to lick it up again. And I think, what's wrong with that? Somebody just said, ew, right? Ew! It's gross! It's disgusting. You understand that? That's what, that's what God is saying about the person who just keeps doing and doing and doing. The same disgusting, dreadful thing. Learn from what you've done. Don't keep doing what is sinful and foolish. Wisdom learns from past experiences. But you know what? Sometimes it may take a couple of times for us to really get the picture. Learning. I watched a video online. It wasn't long ago, but it's this guy who's trying to rescue a sheep, and it's in this really narrow ditch. You've probably seen it. He works really hard to pull this, pull this sheep out of the ditch, and he gets the sheep out of the ditch, and the, the sheep runs for about two seconds and jumps right back in the ditch. How, how often has that been us doing the same thing? We've got to learn. Wisdom helps us to learn not to do the same things over again. And so here we find this need for caution. Now, what is the central reason of looking carefully here? With wisdom in the Christian life, it's in verse 15. Look carefully how you what? How you walk. This is about your manner of life. 
how you're living your life. Look carefully how you walk. How we walk matters to God. It is central to the Christian's purpose in this world. He didn't save you and leave you here so that you could just live how you want. He left us here so that we would walk a certain way that brings glory to his name. The blessed man of Psalm 1 is so, so great a picture of this. Psalm 1, 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You see, this man is looking well to the way he walks on purpose. He's looking carefully. He has a specific conviction in his walk. This is how the Christian is to live their life. Now, you contrast that with the foolish man. Proverbs, filled with wisdom, says again, Proverbs 15, 21, Folly, folly is joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead. He's saying that the man who has no sense or wisdom, the error, the sin, the pleasure, all of it, it's enjoyment to him. Doing stupid things, it's enjoyment to him because he lacks wisdom, he lacks sense, right? His foolishness, his carnality, his worldliness, it's a joyful thing to him because he lacks sense. He lacks wisdom. Don't we see a lot of that in our world today? You watch people around us and they just, they love folly. They run after it. I read a quote the other day that said, if common sense was lard, most people wouldn't be able to grease a pan. <laughs> and and there, there's a lot of truth in that. The world has a great lack of wisdom, lack of sense. But I say this to us as Christians because we're not supposed to live that way, right? So, Christian, examine the influences of your life. Examine the way you're walking. Are those influences in your life drawing you closer to Christ or further away from Him? What effect do certain influences have on your walk with God and your Christian influence? This brings me to the, last, this, the second aspect here. Wisdom not only enables us to walk cautiously, that's what looking carefully is, but wisdom enables us to walk correctly. That's the whole point. To walk the right way. To live the right way. Now, the point of this is verse 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Not as unwise, but as wise. So, here we see that wisdom is at the center of what Paul is saying. As we take a close and careful look at our life and what influences us, we will be able to walk wisely instead of unwisely because it boils down to this, Christian. Your life is only being lived in one of those two ways. There's not really a middle ground. You're either living wisely or you're living unwisely. You're to live wisely. And far too many Christians live in an unwise manner in our day. They're not looking carefully. They just kind of, you know, go with the flow. Christian, we don't go with the flow. We go against the current, okay? That, that's how it is in this world. We go against the current. It's too many are thoughtless. They don't think through the effects or consequences of what they do or what they allow in their life. By all definition, to be unwise simply is to be thoughtless, to be impulsive, is to not think through things. But listen to what Proverbs says again. Proverbs 22.3, listen to this. The prudent or the wise sees danger and hides himself. But the simple go on and suffer for it. 
The prudent sees danger and hides himself. So he looks, evaluates, looks ahead at what's happening, what, could, what might be, and says, you know what? That's dangerous. I'm going to hide from that. I'm not going to go that way. But the simple who doesn't have wisdom or sense just goes on his merry way, going with the flow, and then he suffers for, the react, for what happens as a result of lack of wisdom. You know what's interesting is that this verse is mentioned twice, word for word, in Proverbs. Proverbs 27, 12 will say the exact same thing. It's almost like God wanted us to hear it twice, wanted us to see how important this is. It's a warning for every believer. Do we want to walk the correct way as Christians? You see, if, if we're to walk correctly according to wisdom, we must closely examine our lives frequently. Why is that? If you don't have a regular examination of your life, you will naturally veer off course because that's what your flesh naturally does. That's where you're aligned towards, right? You ever, you ever had a car that's been out of alignment? You know, when you try to steer your car, if you just if you if your if your car is you're driving your car and it and it automatically kind of pulls to the left or pulls to the right, it's out of alignment, right? It's out of alignment. What's that mean? That means you need to go get it aligned. You might even have some steering mechanism that's bad, could be dangerous, might even cause a wreck. Our flesh is naturally pulling to the left or to the right not down the straight and narrow road. Our flesh naturally pulls that way. So we have to examine ourselves, examine our life. Wisdom recognizes the danger and corrects it. This is why we want to walk wisely in examining ourselves. Paul told Timothy this, 1 Timothy 4.16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching or the doctrine. Persist in this. We're in doing this. Doing, so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Notice that Paul didn't say, now keep a close, close watch on everybody else who's living bad. He says, look at yourself. Now, it's so easy to point at other people and say, oh, that person's living this way and this person's living that way. All the while, you're not much different from them. Take a close inventory of self, Christian. Examine yourself. Examining himself, considering what Scripture teaches is how Timothy would be corrected in his walk so that he would be able also to help others. Another proverb for this, Proverbs 4, 25 and 27. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. And I watch, watch this. Ponder the path of your feet. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn away your foot from evil. Ponder the path of your feet. Take a moment just to think about your life. The steps you're taking. Where does it actually lead? Where does it actually lead? What is actually going to be the result of that? He says, remove your foot from evil. How plain that is. You see, the believer is to recognize the works of darkness and remove themselves from them. The believer should recognize things that hinder their Christian life, and remove themselves from them. Wisdom prompts the Christian to do those things. See, the path of wisdom is plainly this. It is the path that we walk built upon the Word of God, upon the example of Jesus and His teachings. And I want you to see this, this illustration, if you would, in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, I think, will give us just a big picture look that Jesus gives to us. Matthew 7. Look with me to verse 24 through 27. It's at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The end of his Sermon on the Mount after he's taught this long, wonderful sermon. And I want you to see the contrast he gives. 
the contrast he gives. He says, everyone then who <coughs> excuse me, hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Do you notice there's a contrast here that Jesus gives of two kinds of people? The wise man and the foolish man. The wise man has built his life on what? Jesus and his teachings. Jesus and what the scriptures teach. And so because his life is founded on Jesus and his word, his life is founded upon a rock, a firm foundation. So when the storms of temptation and trial and whatever life brings to him comes, his house is still standing. Contrast to that, the foolish man is the one who doesn't build his life on the teachings of Jesus or on Christ himself. He likens that to sand. How good is sand as a foundation? It's not a foundation. He says the storms come, and that house absolutely is destroyed, and it is demolished. We used to sing a children's song about this very, uh, this very passage. The wise man built his house on the rock. I ain't singing it. You're not getting that lucky this morning. My voice is... My voice is struggling as it is but that little song has stuck in my mind ever since I was a child and it conveys this message the wise man and the foolish man Christ or no Christ his teachings are not his teachings Jesus understand is wisdom and the life of wisdom is lived in Jesus and this is why Paul urges the Ephesians in verse 15 look carefully look carefully then how you walk Not as unwise, but as wise. Christian, you're called to walk in wisdom. Are you walking in wisdom? Take a close look at your life. Are you walking in wisdom? Notice with me number two. And I love this part of the text too. I want you to see some Christian evidence of walking wisely. Here's two things that point to a wise life. Point to a wise life in Christ. The first one is that wisdom seeks to steward time wisely. Wisdom seeks to steward time wisely. I want you to look at verse 16. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, understand that this is tied directly to what he's been saying. This is the same sentence. We didn't have a period in a new sentence. It's the same sentence. It's tied directly to walking wisely. And so making the best use of time is a manifestation of walking wisely. Notice the phrase here. Make the best use of. That's, that's one Greek word translated in English is this phrase. And it means to gain something, to, to, to especially advantage or opportunity. It, it carries the idea of buying and purchasing. Some translations will render that as redeeming the time. Making the best use of the time. Paul's making clear that wisdom involves taking advantage of or using something in the right way. What does Paul want them to make the best use of? It is the time. Well, what is time? What is the time here? Well, there's a couple different Greek words used for time in the Scriptures. There's a little different nuance to them. 
One of the Greek terms is the term chronos, and it's a term for clock time. Clock time, a continuous time that is measured in hours, minutes, and seconds. But in this particular instance, he uses a different word, kairos, which denotes a measured or allocated amount of time, a fixed season of time, or epoch. So what's, what's the point here? Here's something, a principle we've got to understand as Christians, I think you know this, is that God sets the boundaries of fixed times. God sets the boundaries of fixed times. Why? Because he's the sovereign ruler over this entire world and all of history. He is the one who sets the boundaries of times. That applies to his sovereignty over, over creation, the nations. You understand that certain nations that have risen and fallen in history, God has determined the times of those. He has determined the time of redemptive history, of humanity, of the beginning and the end of the world. He has declared all things from the beginning. Paul mentions this in his preaching in Athens. Acts 17, 26, he says this to those people. He says, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods, periods of time. He's determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places. So God sovereignly governs and has allotted periods of time in many different ways. Now, knowing that God has determined a fixed time for all things, what does that teach us about Paul's instructions to the Ephesians? It teaches us that our time is fixed. You and I have a fixed time even in an individual sense. God has set the boundary of our lives. He's already fixed the time of our life. You say, well, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know when that time's going to end. Neither do I. Could be tomorrow. Could be 50 years from now. You don't know. Now, a lot of people think about this, and they start worrying about their time of life. Listen to what Jesus said. Matthew 6, 27, he said, Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Does worrying about how long you're going to live make you, going to make you live any longer? No. You there's not anything you can do to, to change God's ordained time of our life. So instead of worrying about time that God has given us, what's God want us to do with it? He says, use the time you've been allotted with wisdom. Make the most use of it. Use it to the fullest that you can. Paul's telling the Ephesians that the time we have been given by God should be bought up. It should be used the best way, stewarded as an opportunity. Now, this is how we need to view life. Is it not true that every day, every hour, every minute is an opportunity to live and to use it in a specific purpose? Every day you get up is an opportunity. Now, imagine for a moment that you're given $1,440 deposited into your bank account on one day, and you have one day to use that money. You can't get any more money than that in that day. And when that day ends, if you've got leftovers, you can't save it, it disappears. How would you spend that money? You would spend it wisely. You would be careful as to what you spend it on and how you're going to use it, right? The dollar amount that I just used is the amount of minutes that every person has in one day. You have 1,440 minutes. 
in one day. Every day. You don't get more than that. And it's possible you might get less than that because you might not live the whole day. You don't get to carry over minutes to the next day. They disappear. That day's gone. Every day has an expiration date to it. And here's the reality of all this. Here's the real question. Do we want to waste our life or make our life worthwhile? You only get one. You only get one. You don't get two. You get one in this world, and then you pass into eternity. Say, well, how do we make our life worthwhile and truly steward it as we should? The best way to make your life worthwhile and steward it rightly is to live for the glory of Christ in every little thing. Everything. Now, so many think that, well, the glory of Christ, yeah, that's in church, and that's in hell of your life. I wish more Christians would get this. That your life from beginning to end and everything you do is to be centered around the glory of Christ. Say, so where do you get that from? Well, look at 1 Corinthians 10, 31. He tells the church, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to what? When's the last time you drank a glass of water to the glory of God? When's the last time you ate your meal to the glory of God? Think about how interwoven this is into every little thing we do every little thing we do and yet there are so many things in this world you understand that steal our time or rather we give our time up to that have no eternal value and sometimes no earthly value either for example time spent on screens has dulled and damaged the way people use their lives today now I want to clarify this. It's not wrong to use a screen. It's not wrong to use social media. It's not wrong to watch a movie. You can, you can enjoy those things to the glory of God in their, proper, in their proper category. But here's the problem that I see is that many today, their lives are consumed with these things. Literally consumed. I'm not talking about they're stewarding it well, but they're consumed with it. And to give you facts for this, listen to this. There are 4.76 billion social media users, which is 59.4% of the world's population. The average user spends 2 hours and 31 minutes daily on social media. Now, here's the one that really troubles me. Teens, teenagers, show an increase in their daily screen time to seven hours, from, from seven hours and 22 minutes to eight hours and 39 minutes per day. Per day. Think about that, Christian. Think about that, parents, for your kids. Think about how this affects the life of a person and what they see life is truly about. You know, Apple put into their updates on their phones, maybe it's on Android too, I don't know, something called screen time restrictions. I've grown to use it because it'll, what you'll, well, you can set a time limit. And so once you've hit that time limit, it'll pop up and say time restricted. You've already used it for the week. And it'll tell you at the end of the week how much you averaged per day. It's staggering what happens when you look at that. Now, here I, I give this fact for a reason. We do not as Christian want, Christians want to waste our lives in this world on frivolous things. Frivolous things. Things that aren't essentially going to matter in eternity. We do not want to waste the opportunity that we have with the gift called life. 
You don't get any more of these. It's not like Super Mario Brothers. You fail and you get to do a redo, right? I love Super Mario. Love the game. But we're not in a game. This is real life. This is real life. You only get one. Moses said this in Psalm 90, verse 12. In light of our limited years, he says, Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of what? Wisdom. Teach us to number them so that we may get a heart of wisdom. You see, wisdom leads a person to use the opportunity of life for the moments of life the right way. The right way to use life is to use every aspect of the glory of God in whatever way we can. Now, I'm not diminishing things that aren't exclusively church or spiritual. You can do anything in this world nearly, as long as it's not sinful against God's moral law, to the glory of God. You enjoy a game of golf? Go do that. Do it to the glory of God. Enjoy it. God wants us to enjoy the life he's given us. But steward it wisely. Steward it wisely to his glory. One of my favorite theologians is Jonathan Edwards. Many of you have probably heard of his resolutions that he wrote in his early 20s. And, and he, he, one of his resolutions is this. I believe it's number five. He says, resolved. These are, these are personal commitments that he wrote for himself. Resolved. Never to lose one moment of time, but to improve in it the most profitable way I possibly can. That is a challenge to me. It ought to be a challenge to us. Because time is limited. Now, understand this in the context. Time is limited both because of the nature of life itself, which is what I've emphasized. It's a vapor. But Paul also gives a direct reason in our text. Notice he says, making the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. This is the reason to use time wisely. You see, evil days are to provoke the Christian to consider how their life is being used. And the opportunities that they have to serve Christ. You understand that because the days are evil, you may only have a very limited time to serve Christ the way you do now. What if there were to come a time when public worship became illegal? When our Constitution, if that's even possible, has ever ripped to shreds and we've taken over by the forces of darkness. What if there ever came a day when, you know what, it's illegal for us to gather this way? Freely, Get up on a Sunday morning, get your coffee, have some donuts, get dressed and come to church and enjoy fellowship with the saints. What if that disappeared? If that disappeared, you know what you're going to think? I wish I had gone more back when I had the freedom to do that. What if? What if, what if Christianity were to fall under severe persecution like it is in some countries right now? What if the scriptures were outlawed? Well, you, you would wish that you had given more of yourself to the scriptures. You would wish that you had taken advantage of the time you had to worship and serve Christ the way you're supposed to. This is the problem with American Christianity. We're spoiled to the core and we think we're invincible. We're not, friend. We're not We have to understand that we don't know what our time is. There's this old saying that says, you never know what you've got till it's gone. And there's a lot of truth in that. Now understand, evil days bring this to a reality. There have always been evil days in history because of man's depravity. Ebbs and flows, sometimes are worse than others. Evil days are marked by an increase in evil. As was in the early church, evil days 
is simply a reference to an era of greatly abounding sin. And in Paul's era, it was an era of greatly abounding sin. You could, you could reference this with the evil generation terms. What did Jesus say about his era constantly to his generation? He said in Matthew 12, 39, that they were an evil and adulterous generation. That's what he called them. Now, I think as we look at ourselves, it would be easy for us today to say of our own time that it is evil days, would we not? Especially in our own nation, as gross, abominable sin is being pervasively promoted without any consciousness of its evil. There used to be some level of morality in thinking, right? Now there's drag queen shows for toddlers. And it's promoted, and and if you stand against it, you're ostracized, you're an outcast. Friend, America is enduring a form of judgment as you look at Romans 1. You and I need to be aware of what's going on. This is the point. Wisdom looks and assesses and then applies what we ought to apply. Because the days are evil. And we are never to think that because the days are evil, that we as Christians are just to sit back and be lax in our Christian service. I hear this all the time. Well, it's just going to get worse and worse, worse and worse and worse, so let's just not do a whole lot. Friend, if it's going to get worse and worse, it means we need to do more and more and more. Paul said this in Colossians 4, 5, the parallel text. He said, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Friend, evil days should stir us even more to walk in the light because darkness isn't all-powerful, but the light of Christ is. This is a challenge to me. It's a challenge to all of us. Christian, how are you using your time? How are you using this precious gift that you can't get back? How are you using your time? Which brings us to this next aspect, letter B in the last verse here. We're almost done. Wisdom seeks the Lord's will in all things. Notice what he says in verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. See, to be foolish goes back to this lacking of wisdom, to be one who doesn't think through, just does whatever he wants. The Christian must not be that way. Rather, we are to understand what the will of the Lord is. You see, wisdom in practice seeks the Lord's will in order to do the Lord's will. That is, seeing all things as He sees them, making His will or judgment the standard of ours, the rule of our conduct. So you understand that our goal in our Christian life is to do God's will. We're to seek to understand what God's will is. And by the way, when your will is to do God's will, His will becomes your will because you're in line with Him, not with yourself. You see, the reality is it doesn't, it doesn't matter how the world around us sees anything. I care less what the world thinks. What does matter is how God sees things. How does God see things? This is an, this is an issue in our day. Many Christians fall into thinking like the world and have set their lives on a path that's no different from the world. The culture has affected them. And may I say this too? Complacent, shallow Christianity has affected them. That's even more dangerous. They've not actually thought about the reality of what they're doing and what the world says. The world says, oh, it's okay. You can have sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend. You don't have to be married. Just go on with it. Everyone's doing it, right? What is the will of God in that matter? First Thessalonians 
4, 3 and 4. Listen to this. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Notice those three little words, will of God. Paul says to the Ephesians, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Walking wisely means the Christian is seeking the will of God in order to live it out. Paul points, puts this point so plainly in Romans 12, 2. And I'll close with this verse. He says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is what? The will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. There's a reason Paul gave this warning to Christians because we are prone to be conformed to the way the world thinks. Conformed means to be molded after its pattern. Molded after its ways. Molded after its thinking. Instead of being molded like the world, we are to discern what is the will of God in our minds. And upon that discernment, we're to live out what is the will of God in our lives. So Christian, when you are faced with various temptations and circumstances and things in your life, do you ever pause to consider the question, what is God's will in this matter? What is God's will in this matter? Walking in wisdom is what this is all about. It's interwoven into walking in the light because wisdom is foundational and essential for the Christian life. You can't live without it. So Christian, I'm, ca- I'm challenging you. Pursue wisdom. Seek it. And practice wisdom in your life. Do you do this? Are you careful and conscious of how you are actually living your life? Are you using your limited time for what really matters in this world? Is your conviction in your heart to do God's will above your own will? That needs to be our resolve. And today, if you've never known Christ, understand that Christ is true wisdom, and you'll not live a life of wisdom without Him. And you'll not know Him without first seeing how deeply depraved and damned you are in your sins. Christ bore God's wrath on Calvary's tree so that sinners could go free. And unless you trust in Him, unless you know Him personally, you're not going to know anything of this wisdom we're talking about. But I may say this, that if you do come to trust Him personally, He will become wisdom to you and change you, not only forgiving you of your sin and granting you eternal life, but giving you wisdom and light to walk as you ought to walk in this life. Christ changes lives. And if your life hasn't been changed by Him, you don't truly know Him yet. That's what it all boils down to. So I encourage us this morning to walk in wisdom as we've seen in the text of Scripture today. Let's stand to our feet as we close with a closing hymn. Father, we bow before you this morning and thank you (coughs) for your grace. Thank you for this word, for this text of Scripture. How greatly, Father, we are in need of this wisdom. We need to look carefully at how we're walking. We don't want to walk unwisely. We don't want to walk foolishly in our life. We're prone to do that naturally. We need your help. Grant us wisdom. Help us to grow in wisdom. Help us, Father, to pay attention to how our time is being used. 
It so quickly passes by and we don't even realize where it went or what we used it for. Help us not to waste it. Help us to serve you while we have opportunity, to worship you while we have opportunity, and to seek with our whole hearts to do your will and know your will in everything. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.